to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Evidently, uh, being confident in our own righteousness is, uh, didn't sit well with Jesus, would you say? I would gather that just from reading the story. There's a real possibility that long before you walked in here today, you already understood that. Perhaps it was obvious to you. If I were to ask you this morning, is it important to obey God, I most likely would get a resounding vote to the affirmative, that it is. Just like me, I was told to obey my parents in the scriptures, and we are told in the scriptures to obey God. So it seems obvious to me, and maybe to you, that obedience is important to God and that we should do it. Perhaps it's helpful for you to know this morning that the Pharisees were the leading experts on how one should obey God. To be recognized as a Pharisee, you had to be carefully schooled in the matters of obedience to God and had learned precisely what the requirements were to be a faithful guardian of God's laws. The list of those requirements had been long labored over and discussed with the best religious minds that could be found. That took years to define them and to refine them. And if there were any doubts, any gray areas that might develop, they would be free to go and to redevelop or to make another law to take care of the most minute infraction, just like the U.S. Congress does. Published about 150 years after the crucifixion of Christ, the Mishnah appeared. The Mishnah is an edited record of a complex body of material known as the oral tradition or the oral Torah. And it was transmitted in the aftermath of the destruction of the second temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Romans. These particular laws were not found in the pages of your Bible. The Mishnah reflects, however, the diligent efforts by these Jewish men to follow God's law to the letter. To do that, the Pharisees developed additional laws they believed amplified or 
clarified the laws of God in the Old Testament that we find in our Bibles. It was an act of a spiritual duty for them. They saw themselves as guardians of the Bible and the faith, and therefore they were protectors of the nation. Rabbi Judah, the patriarch, also known as Rabbi Judah, the prince, or Yadahum Nashan, undertook to collect and edit and a study edition of these halashots, or laws, in order that the precise meaning not vanish or be lost forever. It's these written-down laws 150 years after the crucifixion that we learn much about how deeply important to the Pharisees placed on the obedience to God's word and his law. It was believed that if they, the Jews, obeyed God to the letter, he would never let Israel fall again into enemy hands. They knew that it was in Israel's disobedience to God that he let them go into Babylonian captivity, and we know that from Scripture. They knew that by worshiping idols like Baal, which was terribly abhorrent to God, the Pharisees therefore took a sacred vow to never let their nation wander again into idol worship. They were determined to keep everyone obedient, whether they liked it or not. It was this belief that kept the Jews locked up inside the walls of Jerusalem during the long Roman siege in 70 AD. They believed that they had been faithful observers of God's law to the letter, and in that act of obedience, they were secure. They believed that because of their faithfulness in law-keeping, that God was obligated to save them. Tragically, that understanding of God was greatly misplaced, and thousands paid for that with their lives when the 10th Roman legion breached the walls and Jerusalem fell. So, if it's all possible, they wished to remove any potential gray areas by laying down clear behavioral guidelines for all of Israel to fall. And the vast majority of the people, the Pharisees were highly respected in their religious fervor. The Pharisees were powerful and ever vigilant in watching the behaviors of all of the people of Israel. The reality was, however, that in their fervor to keep the most minute particulars of the oral law traditions, they missed the Son of God in the flesh. Perhaps you will recall that it was the prophet of God, Samuel, who wrote, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying God? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Excuse me. We may be quick to hide our own prejudices in this Pharisee behind our own self-righteousness. Upon learning about this parable many years ago, I had already formed my opinion. I probably had learned to gather that opinion from the negative opinions of 
my family or from my church family around me about this Pharisee and how he was acting. To form an opinion like that was very simple. If you've read the Bible story and how it reads there, I would gather that you probably took a negative position towards that Pharisee yourself. And as you read that, very truly, in the parable, you would see that Jesus had some comments about it. And so you came to such a conclusion because that was Jesus' conclusion. Right? This Pharisee in the parable stood for an attitude that was general found in all Pharisees. Oh, yes, there were many good ones. There were many humble Pharisees. But even to this day, if you were to travel to Israel, you could find Orthodox Jewish rabbis who are sticklers in obeying God's laws, again, to the minutest details, following the Mishnah and those oral traditions. So, thinking, we are free from such matters, right? Because we do not have an oral tradition or a Mishnah that we follow. As Christian believers, we, we can be uh, isolated uh, from and insulated from falling into the Pharisees' righteous self-evaluation. Oh, he probably knew he wasn't perfect. But he was vigorous in getting to be as perfect as he could. Let me ask you, wouldn't that be a worthwhile commitment? He was simply looking over his spiritual journey, and he was proud that he had avoided lots of common pitfalls into sin that many others had gone. Would that be okay? Would that be so wrong? Several years ago, I was sitting across the dining room table, dining table from an outgoing and talkative man who was... I was sitting there at his daughter's wedding. I had been invited by, as a friend of the groom and had been invited to that wedding. This father of the bride was very eager to chat, and soon we discovered that we were nearly, almost within a few days, the same age. So we reminisced quite a bit about the major events in the world around us as we had lived our lives, where we were when those events had taken place, we both remembered exactly where we were when President John Kennedy was shot. It was a moment for me of finding very common ground with a total stranger because of those shared life experiences. As we were chatting together, he asked me if he could get me a beer. I told him I didn't drink. I never had. He looked at me quite shocked at this. What? A baby boomer who had gone through the 60s and never had a drink? What was wrong with me, he looked at me and said. Was I lying? I assured him that I wasn't lying. He asked if I had done drugs. Which drugs had I done? Or was I like Bill Clinton and I didn't inhale? I had assured him that I never tried any drugs at all. Not one, ever, never, ever. He looked at me in total disbelief that there was a guy his age who'd gone through the 60s who hadn't done drugs of any type. Why, everyone he knew had, 
And he was wondering, what was wrong with me? Did I not live in the real world? To be candid with you, I actually had a little bit of self-pride that I could honestly tell him that I had never done either of those. Even though his eyes, through his eyes, I was some kind of a freak of nature, but I had made a lifelong commitment, which I thought was a wiser choice than his, and that would be more pleasing to God, of course, would it not? Yes, that's it. God, I thank you that I haven't done the drugs and alcohol like this poor alcoholic who's sitting across the table from me. Or I might add, God, I thank you that I've never had a bite of pork. Or God, I thank you that I don't take your name in vain. Or God, I thank you that I'm not a thief. God, I thank you that you called me to a holy ministry. On and on. Perhaps some of you might add to that list. Think there are items you have heard, like, God, I thank you that I'm a vegetarian. Or God, I thank you that I've gone beyond being a vegetarian. I'm now vegan. God, I thank you that I've never set foot in a Starbucks, much less a bar. God, I thank you that I don't even own a TV to be tempted by the worldliness and evil that is there daily. God, I thank you that I've never worn blue jeans to church. God, I thank you that I am able to give a double tithe. And then Jesus adds to the story. Over in the corner, some distance away, the publican prays. He's a cheating, conniving tax collector who sold out his own soul to the Romans. He was collecting taxes for Israel's pagan enemy. He was despised in the eyes of the people. He couldn't associate with certain groups of people because they hated him. It was a miserable life. And the parable seems to indicate that he was guilty, guilty, guilty. And he knew it. He stood off at a distance. He couldn't even look up to heaven. He felt the heavy burden of his guilt. He beat his chest in self-loathing as he felt the painful and deep sorrow for who he was and what he had done in his sinful life. He was, he was a sinner, no doubt about it. He lived with it every day. And everyone else knew it too. Yes, you know him. He's the very one who sat across the table from me asking me if I wanted a beer. 
Yes, he's the one who's not a vegetarian, let alone vegan. Yes, that's the guy who wore blue jeans to church. He has an account at Starbucks. And he sits home watching Netflix on TV. Yet, in our parable, the publican was there at the temple. He couldn't ignore the temple on the hill. Stood like a big snowy cap in the community. He couldn't push it out of his mind. His conscience wouldn't let him. So there he was, the only place he knew to go. He knew how the Pharisee, just over a little ways, was condemning him simply by the glances made his way. He knew the disgustful looks of the people always gave him when he went outside his house. He heard their snide remarks, and he knew of their jeering. He felt of the anger of the people towards him. And they knew, he knew they called him a traitor. It was all part of his job as a tax collector. If he hadn't been under the protection of the Roman governor, he he would have been run out of town or worse. If it wasn't for that protective cover, he knew the people would immediately take their revenge and it would be merciless. Therefore, he always lived with constant shame and sorrow. And then the publican said this. God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And Jesus said, and Jesus said, I tell you that this man, the publican, the tax collector, the sinner, rather than the other, the Pharisee, the righteous one, it was the publican who went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The amazing grace of God towards every sinner who repents flows freely in this parable. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus, full stop, all full stop. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this incredible parable. I thank you for the story. And fortunately, Lord, I see myself needing the same mercy that the publican did. Forgive me. Forgive us. Thank you for extending to us your mercy so freely in Jesus' name. Amen.